The first time I had an abortion, I was 19. I was doing a play. I was in Seattle. And I knew immediately that I didn't want to be pregnant. There was never any question in my mind about what I would do. I certainly wasn't ashamed of what I'd done because I did it for me. And I'm worth it. I was 15. Yeah. I was 15. I was pretty devastated that I was pregnant. I was just really devastated. Um, And I felt really stupid. And I knew there was no chance in hell that I was having a baby. I was 26 when I needed an abortion. I was with somebody who would not be appropriate to raise a child with. I myself was someone who was not appropriate to be a parent. I was incredibly mentally unstable, financially unstable. I didn't have a support system around me. It saved my life. It was the best decision I ever made. Had I been forced to have that baby or even carry that baby, I think I would have killed myself. Abortion first affected me personally in 2011, when I had one myself. Abortion to me is healthcare, it's basic human rights. Abortion is death, abortion is evil, it's destructive, it's unnecessary. The bigger issue is sovereignty. It's the right to bodily autonomy, it's equality. I don't think it's okay to have an abortion um, at all. I feel that everyone should give their baby a chance, a chance at life, whether you want a parent or not. Abortion to me is a medical experience between a woman or a family and their doctor. I did not have any sort of regret coming out of my abortion. I felt instant relief physically and emotionally. When I hear somebody who's going to have an abortion, tell me why. Why not find a better choice? I could have said no, and I didn't. And from that moment, I regretted it. Honestly, I think abortion is nobody's business. It's pretty transparent that this isn't really about babies or women's health. Uh, It's certainly not about women's health. And it's certainly not about life. It's about control. It's heartbreaking, the agony, the pain, the confusion from all of this. We looked at this picture, you know, over and over and over and over again, you know, getting to the point where we stopped looking at it because... uh, It's hard to look at.
When Nancy Davis found out she was pregnant this summer, it never occurred to her that she would be sitting down to tell this story. We were elated. This was a planned pregnancy. Um, we wanted a fourth child. I think I may have done a dance. <laughs> Just weeks earlier, the Supreme Court handed down the Dobbs decision, overturning Roe versus Wade. Nancy and her fiancé, Shedrick, weren't thinking about abortion until they suddenly learned their fetus had a deadly diagnosis, a crania. Imagine being told that your baby, some of its brain is missing and the skull is missing. It's heartbreaking. It's devastating. We had to come to terms with the fact that these babies just don't survive. I was carrying my baby to bury my baby. That was the worst day of my life. The doctors advised us that we should terminate. But whenever it came down for us to get the procedure, we were denied. Women's Hospital was scared of prosecution, and they were scared of being fined. The decision in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health essentially gave each state the power to control access to abortion. Louisiana was one of the states to immediately ban it. But there were exceptions. Ukraine is not one of them. We contacted a few different doctors in Louisiana. No one was doing the abortions. Absolutely nobody. I mean, to process the information about your baby is one thing. But to add navigating through the system, through the laws, through the different states, that's a whole nother animal. It was very difficult. Chaotic. It was very, very confusing. And shouldn't nobody else have to go through that? Nobody. I had the procedure done in Manhattan, New York, at the Planned Parenthood. The doctors were very, very supportive, and they really took care of us. One thing I've learned about this whole situation is that people have control over other people's lives. And because of this control, they are putting other people's lives at jeopardy, at risk, in danger. The conservative majority by a 6-3 to three vote overturning Roe v. Wade. Anti-abortion rights groups celebrating a landmark legal and political victory. I call it a failure of moral responsibility of the Supreme Court justices. They are the bedrock we build our rights on, along the battle lines of America's many divides. Brown v. Board of Education. Plessy v. Ferguson. Roe v. Wade. Supreme Court cases woven into the fabric of this nation. They guide our decisions. They define our lives. A nurse was badly injured. Three people being shot. Rights born out of bloodshed. Breakthroughs for many, bitter setbacks for others. The tides change. And what the courts have decided, not all will abide.
So tell me where we are right now. We are at the Pink House. So it wasn't always called the Pink House. It's Jackson Women's Health Organization. So this is where I used to, I used to be a clinic escort. Jackson Women's Health was once a hub for abortion access across the region. Your baby's a gift from God. So the Bible says, Don't stand with the sinners. Go home. This little pink clinic now sits alone and empty. Far cry from its place as the epicenter of America's abortion fight. The losing side of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health. At one point, Mississippi had 14 clinics. 14. And so we've came from there to now where we are now. Right? Which is? Where we have no clinic. There's not even a bypass for rape or incest. Essentially, if you, for you to get an abortion in Mississippi, you have to be half dead. An abortion desert is no easy place for an abortion rights activist to be. But Lori Bertram Roberts loves a good fight. At what point did you start helping women get access to abortion? 2013, we were escorting. This patient had came out and she was $50 short. And we were all scrambling to figure out how we could give her $50. And it was like the fourth time we had done that. And I said, you know, we really need to start an abortion fund. We put money in people's hands for their abortion and for their travel. We network with other funds, working with people to make sure people can get their abortions. So where are your clients going? Illinois, Colorado, New Mexico, D.C., Mexico, Florida, New York, some as far as Cali. I think today is gonna be a busy day. I'm anticipating that I probably won't see my husband and dog again until, you know, seven or 7.30 tonight. After threatening a strike for days, unions have reached a tentative deal with freight. My name is Allie Linton. I am the Associate Medical Director of Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin. Is this everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Allie Linton lives in Milwaukee. Well, we're going to stop and get gas, so we won't directly follow with you. And up until this summer, she performed abortions at the Planned Parenthood there. But since the reversal of Roe... If you go right, okay, right it is. She and her team now have to cross state lines to do that part of their jobs. How was yesterday? It was good. It was very busy. I think within the first week after Dobbs, Planned Parenthood of Illinois was seeing 10 times as many Wisconsin patients. I haven't been on a vacation at all this summer. Really? Yeah. Wisconsin is in a state of legal limbo, thanks to an old abortion ban from 1849. But it's unclear if that law can be enforced. Okay, we made it. The nearest Planned Parenthood that provides abortion care is about an hour south in Waukegan, Illinois. I think Illinois in general is incredibly important. So when we were looking at initial projections with Roe falling, the estimates were that Illinois was maybe going to have to absorb up to about 30,000 additional cases per year. Just these huge, huge numbers. All right, we got fentanyl. Nope, there I am. 
one. So if you put one mid try kit in each room. We are battle tested, right? And it's not just Dobbs. Patients are oftentimes coming to us at a really vulnerable point. This care takes so much of our hearts. My name is Naomi. I am the center manager for Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin Abortion Services. Here in Illinois, the Wisconsin staff take on whatever roles are needed. For Naomi Jackson, today, that means doing ultrasounds. This is the first step. Most patients are full of emotions, so they pour out those emotions. We have those conversations. I have been a patient for an abortion before, and I know what that's like. Um, I know all the stigma that comes with that. So I wanted to go on the other side and be able to let people know, like, this is a choice, and it is okay. The Dobbs decision has become a pivotal moment in all their lives. On that day, Linton had to make the call and pause abortion services at her clinic. The staff that were here had to turn away. 70 people were scheduled on those two days, and they were only able to provide care for four. Yeah, I mean... um, I was thinking of my staff. I was thinking of my patients. Um, I was thinking of a patient that we had had really recently that we were able to provide care for. um, And she talked about the idea that it took everything that she had in her to get out of bed and to get to this center for her procedure. I, I don't think she would have been able to make it to Illinois. with thousands and thousands of patients in my career, and nobody has ever expected to have an abortion. It's not something that you plan for. Um, it's something that happens. I don't, I don't know what happened with it after... Did you draw? No. When I leave here every day, the good is I was able to provide services one more day, you know? Abortion services particularly, one more day. The bad is I can't do it every day like I used to. Bye, guys. Thank you. It's intense to work here, but I think because of that, our bonds are very deep. I'm not going anywhere. This is my family. This is my home. And we have a lot of work to do. philosophy is that organizing and movement building should always be FUBU style, for us, by us. Maybe that's just because I'm a 90s kid, but honestly, it should always be from the ground up. Like, don't come from out of state to start an abortion fund. There are already abortion funds here. We don't need people to come save us. For Lori, the right to access abortion isn't just across the border. It's now several states away. Have a good day. And right now, she feels like she's dealing with one crisis after another. 
So we're actually sitting in South Jackson, um, which is actually being hit really badly by the, by the water crisis. There's also a lot of history, civil rights history as well. Very much so. When I think of movement organizing, I think of Mississippi, right? Beep, beep. Who got the keys to the Jeep? Vroom! Roberts founded and runs the Mississippi Reproductive Freedom Fund. Hey, Haley! An organization that guides and even gives rides to people getting abortions. <gasps> baby! You gotta be gentle. <laughs> no, you can't pick up the baby. Our org is for low-income, working-class folks, queer folks, disabled folks. You see what I'm saying? Like, we're here for the scrippers, <laughs> like the baby mamas, and the folks in the projects, and the folks that, like, regular feminism ain't checking for. We have people sometimes that'll have an abortion one year, and the next year we're providing them diapers for a baby that they're super happy to have. They needed a year. They needed a year. There's nuance. Lots of it. It's a lot of gray. But life is gray. She gave him kisses. But Lori says the Dobbs decision wiped out that gray area by allowing states like Mississippi to ban abortion. Okay, off you go. It seems like it's still hard for you to talk about that day. I just kept thinking about some of our most difficult cases. I'm going to cry, I'm sorry. Every Christmas Eve, I keep my phone on to answer the fun line because it never fails on holidays. We get calls from somebody who just found out they were pregnant and they're so scared. I just, I just think they deserve to hear that it's gonna be okay. We are restocked with plan B. Who needs emergency contraception? Can you walk over there to get a bag? I would just say that we are being conscious of what we're doing, right? So, like, we can't help someone do their self-managed abortion. We have to be very clear in making sure that we're telling them, like, general health information. It can never be in a way that it's like we're telling them to do a thing. Because that could be a conspiracy. The landscape has changed in a post-Roe America. What are your hopes for the future? You know, aside from the fact that my, I have an undying belief and faith in the resilience and brilliance of black and brown people, all I really say is that, you know, pendulums always swing back, right? All pendulums swing back. The first time we learned that there was something wrong with the pregnancy was at the anatomy scan. I remember begging him to tell us what to do. Um, I remember begging and asking, what would you do? And I just remember him telling me, and it was like, sorry, I'm going to start crying. <laughs> you can finish. It was very clear to us that it would be a very painful existence if this child had an existence outside the womb at all. And once we knew that that's where we were going, I mean, I just needed it to be over. It was pretty much torture for me. It was 100% an abortion. I never doubted that it was the right decision. You know, no one wants to have to go through an abortion. It's, it's not a fun thing, but 
I think the alternative for many is also very scary. I was in a relationship, but I wouldn't exactly call it stable. And I didn't have a ton of money. And it's not how I wanted my life as a parent to begin. My mom, you know, she raised me single mom her whole life. My mom quickly considered abortion. You know, I think it's it's something that goes through a lot of women's head. And she chose life for me. And I think that's what we as women and even men that find themselves in these situations as well is like, you can do this. And we're strong. We got this. So when I had my abortion, I, uh, I felt nothing but intense relief. I was trying to feel guilty because that's what I knew from the movies, right? In the movies, they show people really struggling with it and feeling terrible and trying to remember what the birth date would have been of that baby. And I just couldn't get there. I just felt relieved and grateful to live in a country that made this safe and free and accessible for me and that now my life wasn't over. You know, it's so important uh, that we take away the stigma and that we help people to understand, look, yeah, you can be sad about it. Of course you can, but never feel ashamed. Never feel ashamed. Everyone out there knows and probably loves someone who's had an abortion. I remember finding out I was pregnant and um, given that they told me that it was my choice to either keep my pregnancy or have an abortion. And I didn't quite know what an abortion was. I can still remember the smell and I can still feel how cold the room was. I felt like I had no control over my body. Nobody was talking to me about what was happening. I felt nauseous. And I felt immediate regret. And I knew that there was no going back. talk to like younger people sometimes it makes me feel sad because I'm not getting to do the same things that they're doing right now. On this late summer morning 21 year old Sam is hoping the few precious hours of sleep she got will be enough. Ellis can you get off the steps? Kyle can you come grab him because he just pushed the gate down. My whole identity now is being their mom. I know, baby. Right, I love you. I love you. Bye bye. Today is the first day of her senior year at the University of Michigan. She's headed to campus with a backpack and a six week old baby. It's okay. 
I got a lot of, he'll never finish college. I got a lot of, they're not gonna have much of a future now. I expect from the students, one of two things, the people that completely avoid me, like pick up their desk and scooch it away. Or the people who come up and be like, oh, you have a baby, what's his name? And then don't ask me mine. I think overall it will be okay. Just try and keep him calm, um, which makes it hard for me to learn. This course is very hard. They either get professors who are really kind and they're like, of course, like bring the baby, and then some that are like, no, absolutely not. When she can, Sam tries to get home between classes to spend time with her toddler. On day one, it's a struggle. It's okay, baby. because Jonah's upset, so I don't really know how long I'm going to be able to be there. Okay, I love you, bye. toddler still wakes up quite a few times every single night and then uh, Jonah did not sleep past 3 a.m. Oh, there's Kyle. Hello. Hurry up. Get home. Hi. Sam's journey to motherhood began when she met Kyle. Back in March 2020. I thought he was really cute. <laughs> Um, he was very smart. We end up getting pregnant with Ellis three months into knowing each other. We were both 19. How difficult has it been balancing motherhood, student life? Um, it's been a little bit difficult because everything's in person again just coming to the classes when I'm still trying to adjust to having two kids instead of one. It's been a lot. It's precisely places like this that could feel the impact of the Roe reversal. More than a third of women who have abortions every year do so before the age of 25. Some worry as more states enact abortion bans, there could be a new wave of college-age parents. There are not enough resources for moms. We may not be like the largest group on campus, but our voices do matter. Our needs matter. There are things that we have been fighting and we have gotten nowhere. So I feel like if the university really like wanted to make it easier for student parents, they would have done it by now. 
the University of Michigan has more resources than most. Lactation rooms, a dedicated study space, and a pilot program for on-campus daycare. Much of that is thanks to Sam's friend, Jessica Pelton. I'd say student parents are probably the most hidden population, which was where I had a lot of trouble as a student, was no one had really heard of my identity. But statistics show one in five students are student parents. Hey, Amber, I'm going to get your cereal. Let's get your breakfast and get your lunch packed, honey. Yeah, I like it. I think there's a narrative that young mothers, young fathers can't graduate from college. (laughs) College isn't even an option. It's out of the question. Do you think that's wrong? Yeah, because if it wasn't for her, I never would have gone. Um, College was never on my radar at all. (laughs) I never felt like I had a reason to go. Have a good work day. After her daughter was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Let's get in the car. That changed. After she was diagnosed. Good morning. Happy morning. She was three and asked how she would have a normal life. So I signed up for college to show her, like, if I can have a normal life while raising her, she can do it too. Oh, there's the bell. No. All right. I want her to go to college. I want that to be a goal. I want her to see me do it. Deciding to go to college was easy. Making it happen, much harder. It seems like the housing was a pretty big reason why you settled on University of Michigan. Yeah, it was ultimately the actual reason. Programs for student parents are important because it is hard for a student parent or even any student to truly succeed without some kind of support. Are you guys excited the school year's officially back on? No one person can do everything by themselves. Like, it just, it takes a village. When Winnie Etienne found herself young, alone, and pregnant, this house was her saving grace. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. Oh my God, it's different. A lot yes, different. The colors and then the decoration, everything is different. Yes, I feel lucky and I feel blessed because I might be in the street or somewhere else. The 27-year-old was here as a student, her family back in Haiti. So and I was like, I can't afford having a baby. I cannot take care of a baby. I'm not married yet and everything. And so when I called my friend and I told her, I was like, yes, I want to keep my son. For sure, I want to have this baby. For Winnie, abortion was out of the question. Her doctor referred her to Good Counsel Homes. But me, in my mind, I was, I was completely lost and broke inside. I liked the way they were talking to me. Don't worry, we're going to help you in everything. We're going to help you to get a job. You're not going to have to pay the rent. You're going to have free food and everything. So you'll be able to set yourself, to put yourself together. Yes, I remember my room was here, right here. Oh, my God. I found a job because I was here. I gave birth to my son, and I was really healthy because I was also here my whole entire life. Everything is great. Everything is good. And I think all of this is because I came here. This is everything I've learned. Yes, well, we used to pray every morning. (laughs) Nanette Morris, the house manager, has seen dozens of women come through here. The only requirement is that 
you're homeless and you're pregnant if you're a um, mom and you have a child already but you have no place to go that's the only requirement the door is open and protect me in jesus name i pray amen good counsel is a christian program like nanette most of the folks who work here believe abortion is wrong and that places like this offer an alternative only eight women can live here at a time in the aftermath of the Dobbs decision, these programs could see a spike in demand, especially in states where abortion is banned. When you have support, you have everything, and more women need to know that. There are a higher number of women that think about abortion than people would imagine. But once they come through here, they know that they have the resources, they have the backing. I did have an appointment at a Planned Parenthood, and I actually drove there, and I sat in my car for like six hours outside of the Planned Parenthood just crying. I couldn't get myself to go in. I don't really know why that was. I think, I think for some reason I really did believe that it was supposed to happen. Um, and now, like, knowing Ellis like, and having him, he's like my best little bud. I couldn't imagine not having him. So I did consider it. If, if someone's considering an abortion, then you should not consider that person to be like evil or doing something bad. Nobody wants to get an abortion. I see people talk about abortion. It's just very radical, like on the right or left, whereas I feel like there's a lot more common ground than we think. My personal stance is for my body, I would say I'm pro-life. For other people, my stance is it's not my body, it's not my choice, it's none of my business. Um, it's your choice to do what you need to do for you. She is a really good mom. She's like the least selfish person I know. I am very proud of her. It's a lot. It's um, amazing and wonderful and beautiful, and it also sucks. But at the end of the day, my kids are the loves of my life. As hard as being a mom is, and even though sometimes I really do hate it, they are totally worth it. You have a series of choices every single day. Some of them are gigantic. Some of them are tiny. You don't know which ones are going to impact the rest of your life. You make the best choices that you can for yourself in those moments. And it is not my right to tell anyone else what choice is right for them. And it is not their right to tell me what choice is right for me. Look at me. Look at me when I'm talking to you. I can post a TikTok from my bedroom here in Houston, Texas, and I can reach three million people in the span of 24 hours. I went from being this random kid living in a single parent household in the middle of nowhere to being invited to the White House for a round table on abortion rights. I, I grew up in a very conservative Christian household, a pro-life household. There are a lot of reasons why I don't go by my last name publicly. Part of that is for safety, but part of that is because there have been people in my own family who have called the work that I do an abomination, who have said that they're ashamed to share a last name with me. So 
when people say that I do this work for attention or for likes or retweets, that couldn't be farther from the truth. I really began uh, taking pro-life activism seriously, and I began um, making content with my TikTok and posting on my Instagram. Sitting in the heat is hot. Just educating people about the topic of abortion and also really pushing the importance of making help available to women that find themselves in an unplanned pregnancy. So online, I have a lot of vicious people um, and I've had a lot of hateful people, you know, I invite them on my lives, accept them when they request and they just immediately start screaming things like, I hope you get raped. You know, I hope that your whole family dies. But I have had pretty good conversations um, in person and online where people just really just want to hear me out. And that's amazing. I feel like that's just how life should be. But because this topic has been so, you know, if you're pro-life, you want to control women. And then, you know, if you're pro-abortion, you know, you must love killing babies. I know that that is not the truth. something we fought for so long and so hard and that women marched for by the millions. All of that gone, poof. I think the keystone that women's rights goes through abortion rights. Because if you don't have autonomy over your own body, how are you ever going to contain Quality. For me, abortion has always been completely linked with individual freedom. Dr. Curtis Boyd and his wife, Dr. Glenna Halverson Boyd, are in the process of a painful goodbye. This is what's happening to us. We're, we're packing. The surgery center is, you know, closed. Texas has shut us down. So we're just packing and getting things ready for storage. And we don't know if we'll ever be back here or not. Curtis, born and raised in Texas, has been providing abortions here since the late 1960s, before Roe. I have said for years, you know, if you're looking for a job, this is not a job. This is... A calling. It was a very different world when abortion uh, was totally illegal in this country. And that people don't realize the clergy is where this really started. The strongest organized support in the United States for the legalization of abortion came from churches. You have since reversed their position. That's 1968. I began doing abortions. They soon came full time. They're calling you by the hundreds. I mean, I couldn't see all the abortions. I mean, for every patient I saw, there were two more wanting to be seen. So every slot was full and every patient showed up. Curtis lived in constant fear of arrest until 1973. We had the radio on. Came to an announcement. Roe v. Wade. You know, Abortion was legalized in the country, but more than we'd ever expected. 
a group of clergy helped him establish the Fairmont Center in Dallas, the state's first legal abortion clinic. In 1974, Glenna started working there as a counselor. Uh, I was quite impressed with her, too. She has, she's, has magical abilities with patients. Everything we do takes into account how the patient is likely to physically and emotionally feel in that moment. What brought us together is the work. Are you feeling relaxed, Tina? Huh? Are you feeling relaxed? Yeah. Good. That meant working side by side, seen here performing an abortion decades ago in a documentary their son made. Uh, we believe that, that abortion need not be uh, an ordeal. I think that my goal is uh, to affirm the, the patient's dignity and to make this as easy for them as, as possible. And uh, I think that that's suffering uh, and, and inflicting pain on the patient has no merit. But their work was increasingly becoming more dangerous. We've each had harassment. We've each had death threats. We've had two big arsons, one in Albuquerque and one here in Dallas. Broken out windows, yeah. firebombs, uh, glued locks, invasion of clinics, chaining themselves to surgery tables. <laughs> My worst fear has always been that someone who works for us would be seriously harmed or killed. They've been spared that horror, but now more than 50 years later, a new heartbreak. So we have no choice but to, to sell it, can't afford to, to keep it as an empty building. So we, we, we'll have to sell it. But they refuse to give up. The money from the sale of this Texas clinic will go to build another, even larger clinic in New Mexico. I'm 85 years old now, but I just cannot stand by and do nothing when I know we can do something. I'm never going to retire. Personally, for us, it's our life's work. And this is not the way we imagined the story would end. To those who have been in this fight for a really long time, I want you to know that the marching isn't stopping. The fight's not over. We're not going to give up. You have built a legacy of fighting for our freedoms, and there is an entire generation of us that are not only going to fulfill that legacy in protecting our freedoms, but are going to do right by you I think there's power in numbers. It was extremely relieving to share my story because it felt like I was keeping a secret, even though it wasn't a secret. So to finally just have everything out in the open and be embraced was, you know, it was a relief. I think Gen Z, one of the good things about us is that we have a lot of things we are very, very passionate about. The goal is to have an America that abortion is not available. Will I see that in my lifetime? I don't know. I hope so. 
Um, but it's just one step at a time. Rebecca was able to get pregnant three or four months after the termination procedure. And clearly, we would not have our daughter today had we not had the ability to get an abortion. This was the single most important parenting decision that we have ever made. Um, And so when you ask what abortion means to me, it is making a parenting decision and a personal decision and a family decision, what's best for you. I'm not scared to talk about my decision that I made years ago, but if I can save somebody the heartache, if I can save one baby from not being here on Earth side, then I'm gonna do it because I believe that I'm going to touch millions of people with my story. That if I can do it, you can do it too. Are we really a society that wants to just be able to kill unborn babies with no any time for any reason? Is that what we've come to? My hopes for the future are, of course, that we are gifted bodily autonomy and that people uh, can choose whether or not they wish to carry out a pregnancy and give birth to children. I'm not interested in name-calling or finger-pointing or talking down to people. We have so much more in common than we have different. We can't back down or give in, and we actually have to meet the moment harder and lean in further. I know that they can't win. Or I mean, I won't let them. The hopes I have for the future are very real. We're just gonna keep on fighting and we're gonna keep having abortions. It's not gonna stop. I mean, it's been a normal part of human life since the dawn of time. And that's it. I mean, we're going to keep doing it. We've been investigating a farm where we've been told children are working in the fields. David, I've got to tell you that we're in a little bit of danger here. Hola, buen dia. Hola, senor. Well, there are kids, I think, around four years old, maybe younger, carrying carrying baskets. They're going into the jungle. They're going where the coffee fields are. We're spotted. Yeah, we are. I'm here because I am a conservative environmentalist. I think for a long time, conservatives have not come to the table. So why not just be an environmentalist? Why does politics have to have anything to do with it? This is the only national park unit here that has mob-related bodies dumped in the lake. Do you think that there are more bodies to be found here in this lake? I have six Division I offers to play college football. In the NFL, that's plan A. Plan B is not mess up plan A. 
How much yeah. do y'all know about the shooting that happened here at Heath High School in 1997? He didn't just hurt eight people. He hurt an entire community and a ton of people around. I have asked myself and wondered why was I the one that survived and someone else died.